Hey, good morning. Hey. Hey, Ted and I are in a place that I know is familiar to all of you. Um, I've got some good news and bad news. The bad news is for students, kids, high school, junior high, um, you're going to be here in, uh, in like about five weeks. And, and the good news for all, uh, all adults, um, you don't have to come here this fall. And yet, I, I'm sure that this really brings back some memories. We're in a high school classroom here. Man, I remember, um, it kind of seems like yesterday only, it certainly wasn't that I was sitting like right over, no, actually, I would always sit in the back of the classroom. And um, we just wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit this morning about um, some scripture that's been important to us and, uh, and in particular look at um, student ministry. Um, if you've been around for a while or even if you're new to us at New Providence and, and New Community, you know that we've taken uh, student ministry, children's ministry incredibly serious. And, and that's been true for as long as I can remember. In fact, it was one of the things that attracted Amy and me to even come here almost uh, 26 years ago. Um, the commitment to helping students and children find Christ in the midst of a culture that that kind of rips at the fabric of any kind of uh, serious approach to Christianity has never been more challenging and, and really never been more needed. And so in their wisdom and, and forethought, our session um, less than a year ago and under the leadership of Jeff decided to bring in a second co-pastor to student ministries, and that's Ted. And, and, um, and, and we've needed to kind of take a fresh look at ministry to student and children because it's grown. I mean, not only numerically, we, we see many hundreds of kids every, every week, but certainly in terms of a depth. So I'm excited about what the future holds. Uh, welcome to Jersey, Ted. And I and, never uh, thought I would live in Jersey ever. Uh, you should ask us at some point the story of how I actually ended up here. It's all his daughter Emily's fault, so that's a fun story. Um, and we were thinking about it the other day when we were talking through this and realized that Mike was installed as a youth pastor here at this church the year after I was born. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> Thanks. So, I mean, picture that, though. How wild is that, that we are now doing ministry together alongside this church, um, and he's been here my whole lifetime already. And that is a mark of how faithful this church has been and also how faithful God has been throughout generations. And that is the call to worship we use this morning um, from Psalm 145. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. The, this idea of the word generation is all over the Bible. And it's super important to what we are talking about this morning, about the biblical foundation of youth ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, it's really been by the grace of God that we've been able to, um, to invest heavily over the many years in students and children. Um, and you would think that all churches would do that, but the fact of the matter, they don't. And that's especially been true, and it continues to be an incredible surprise to me up here in the Northeast. It's just not the case that churches, especially up here in North Jersey, have been able to get a grasp on what student and children ministry is really all about. And I've, I've actually been asked to come into a number of churches and speak um, about what we do and how we do it. And, and, and I've often told them that, you know, what you're trying to do here in terms of, of introducing students and children to Christ is what I would consider to be the most difficult ministry in the church. And doing it up here in North Jersey is, is the most difficult place to do the most difficult 
ministry in the church. And so there's really no wonder that there's so little of it up here. But with great challenge comes great opportunity, and we've certainly seen that happen over the years. So Ted and Christine, me, all of you, we're, we're determined to recommit ourselves to reaching the next generation for Christ. We're, we're determined beginning this fall to double down on the effort to winning kids for Christ and, and discipling them into a mature relationship with him. And, and we're committed to impacting not only the, our own kids in terms of our influence on them, but really in a, in a, in a region-wide as we represent many towns and many communities and many different schools. But to do that, we must build on a biblical foundation. And Ted and I have spent these last couple of weeks just thinking through that and talking about that. We're, we're excited about sharing a bit of our thoughts on that biblical foundation with you this morning. Um, such a foundation is critical and, and so essential given the fact that we live in a dangerous, narcissistic, postmodern world that's all about me and all about so many things other than the biblical narrative. Um, we have a generation of kids that are, are often described as digital natives. Uh, we live in a world, and especially they've been brought up in a world that is so different from the one that many of us adults have, have lived in. And they swim in what's been described by Dr. Walt Mueller, one of our mission partners, as like a vat of cultural soup. And they're in it, and they can't get away from it. And, and that soup can be incredibly toxic and, and dangerous. And it is very a foreign, kind of a foreign place youth culture is to many parents and, and us adults. And so to bring the gospel into a culture like that, um, parents, uh, youth volunteers, Ted, me, Christine, um, we as a wider church concerned about the well-being of students spiritually, we, we, must, we must build a solidly biblical foundation. And, and really the bottom line, it seems to me, Ted, is that we do what we do because of Scripture. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're doing this morning. We, Mike and I have thought, not just the past few weeks, but the past many years working together about what the biblical foundation for what we do actually is. And so this morning, we're taking some time. We're not giving you a seminar. We are not giving you a how-to. We are not giving you just a talk. We really want to preach the Word of God as it applies to how we as a church do children's and youth ministry. This is a sermon. This is not just a seminar. And so with that in mind, let's turn to the text for this morning. And we have this beautiful prayer that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And my salt groups over the past years know that this is the verse that I have used the most when I'm praying for you all. And so as a church now together, as we turn to scripture, let's pray this together. Think of a, someone, think of a teenager maybe, someone you love, and pray this scripture along with me. This is Ephesians 3:14. For this reason, I, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And this morning we're looking through this verse, we're looking at Jesus, which is what we always desire to do. We are looking at four aspects of the person of Christ and seeing how they inform our youth ministry. Yeah, and, and let me share the first one with you. Um, the fact of the matter is that Christ is relational. And because Christ is relational, we do relational ministry. That's a, that's a word that we want to tag on any ministry that we do, but especially ministry to our kids, our high school, junior high, grade school kids, even preschool. Um, that is the message of Christmas, that Jesus Christ came and dwelled among us. And, and that's found, of course, in John 1, 4. There's so many passages in the New Testament that get at the fact that Christ is relational. And that word for dwell is literally like he pitched a tent in our backyard. He pitches a tent right here in a high school like this. You know, a, a high school like this, this classroom we're in, Christ is here and our students bring him here. Um, Philippians 2, 6 and 7, though he was in the form of God up in heaven, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking on the form of a servant, being born into the likeness of men. And then Ephesians 3.17, um, in the passage that we read, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts in faith. Jesus dwells here. And because he does, because he dwells among us, we relate to him and we are all about relationally oriented ministry. And, and nowhere is that needed more and desired more than in, in, in the world of, of high school, junior high kids and grade school kids. You know, they are starved, it seems to us, for real relationships. It's one of the reasons we've built the high school ministry around small groups. There was a survey done years ago among uh, a group of 12th graders around the country, and they asked him, why did you stick around your youth ministry all these years, all the way up to graduation? The number one answer was, uh, because there was an adult there who knew my name and who cared if I showed up. And, and so there's this hunger, especially in the culture in which we live, for real relationships deeply rooted in the person of Christ. Because Christ is relational, we do relational youth ministry. That's so true. And the second piece of Christ's character we're looking at this morning is the fact that Christ is transformational. We as Christians believe that one of the hallmarks of the grace of Christ is that it transforms us. And this, this metaphor is all over Scripture. We see passages talking about the movement from death to life, from sickness to health, from brokenness to wholeness, from being on the outside coming into the family on the inside. Christ transforms us. Tim Keller's got a famous saying, and Jeff has used it in sermons to great effect. You may know it, that Christ loves us exactly the way we are, but he loves us too much to see us stay that way. God loves us exactly the way we are, but too much to see us stay that way. And that is the core of what Christ's grace really is. And unfortunately, today there are so many churches who err on one side or the other of that equation. Some churches will go all in on the embrace and say, hey, I am so glad that you are here. You are wonderful exactly the way you are. Go, you do you, you follow your bliss. And that doesn't work out. And then on the flip side, there are churches that are just chock full of legalism and focus on performance and image and getting better. And what that does is it crushes us into wearing masks. We're not interested 
in either of those. Christ marries those two sides of embrace and challenge in his grace. Neither do I condemn you, yet go and sin no more. And this idea of Christ-fueled transformation is so crucial to youth ministry because adolescence is a time of rapid development. Only second to infancy is puberty and adolescence is the number two period in our lives where physically, emotionally, developmentally, physiologically, we are growing at the most rapid rate. And Mike alluded earlier to Walt Mueller and the perils that he studies in adolescence. It's a rocky, rocky road. We can imagine an adolescent, picture a 10-year-old just at the cusp of entering his teenage years. Uh, picture that person as at the headwaters of a river. There is so much potential and power and energy in there, you just want to move. But where does that water go? The water has a choice. Is it going to take the easy, flat, wide routes? Is it going to take the routes that all the other waters are traveling down, no matter what they look like? Or is it going to take the path that is right for it? Is it going to take the path that is correct, that is mapped out for it to be the best river it can be so it's not flowing off a cliff or getting polluted or any of that? That is what Christ's grace does for us. As we change, as we transform, Christ's grace directs us in love to where we're going. And in youth ministry, because of this grace of Christ, we are able to proclaim the double yes. Yes, you are loved. You are loved exactly the way you are in all your mess and failure and fatigue and awkwardness. And yes, you are awkward, by the way. And yes, we are all awkward. But the second yes comes. Yes, there is more. Yes, we are moving. Yes, Christ's grace does not just sit us where we are, but he moves us. He transforms us. We are not a conformed people, as Paul talks about in Romans. We are a transformed people. And as he talks about here, this is our God who is greater than we can possibly imagine. And in youth ministry, we are able to shepherd this, these students on this immense trajectory. Yeah, and a third, uh, third biblical truth that comes out of this passage related to youth ministry is that because Christ is powerful, and uh, that word appears uh, a number of times in this passage and numerous times in the New Testament and throughout Scripture, because Christ is powerful, we do youth ministry, student ministry, children's ministry. And here's three words I'm going to throw at you. It is compelling, uh, it is robust, and it is effectual. Because Christ is powerful, we do youth ministry that is compelling, robust, and effectual. I, I, I looked up the word robust. That's not a word that we use all that much, but it's a great word, and I think it really speaks to the impact that we can have in kids' lives through crisis. His power moves through us into the next generation. It gets at the idea that um, of being strong and, and, and able to overcome adverse conditions, to hang in there, but not just hang in there, to not just be a survivor, but a thriver as, as the Lord's power comes alive in a young life. Power, the power belongs to Christ. And the word that's used uh, throughout the New Testament to get that is dunamis, which, you know, they get the English word dynamite, like it's explosive and potentially dangerous and a force to be reckoned with. Dunamis, dynamite. Um, it appears numerous times, as I, as I mentioned. And the antithesis of such power is, is a word that's used by Paul in 2 Timothy, um, timidity. 
You know, in, 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 in 2 Timothy 1.7, God didn't give you a spirit young 17-year-old Timothy of timidity, of being like this feather caught in, as Ted just mentioned, this cultural wind getting pushed here, getting pushed there. I mean, certainly there's forces going against any young person, but God didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. And then he also tags on love and self-control, because when you think about it, power in and of itself is is dangerous, you know, but this potent mix of power and love and self-control. And I don't think it's by chance that he mentions power first. Power strengthens us individually and collectively as we come together as a body of Christ. It, it enables us to grab a hold of Christ no matter what. And it's a power that's wor- at work not only in us, but, but through us. Our kids need the power that comes with Jesus Christ. And again, not just to survive. It's not about that. It's to thrive and to step in the dreams that God has for her or for him. Christ is powerful. Therefore, we do youth ministry that puts kids in touch with his divine and amazing power. And the result of that is a ministry that's compelling. We, we've seen that, you know, and, and, and robust and effectual, and it ends in great things for the kingdom. So Christ is relational Christ is transformational. Christ is powerful. And the final aspect of his character we're staring at in the face this morning is the fact that Christ is love. I'm stuck with the last one with a cliche answer. God is love. You've heard about that for a few years if you've been around the church for any amount of time. What does that mean? For youth ministry, what that means is that because Christ is love, we are able to love our kids and be loved by God in an unconditional way. We, you even know that phrase, unconditional love. We talk about that all the time. But it is so important for us, even Christians, and maybe you would not be identify yourself as a Christian if you're watching this, but even Christians need to remember that we are so bad at remembering what true love actually is. The world does not offer us examples of true love outside of Christ. They are all shadows. They are all simulacra, it does not work. So what do we, what do we have? A love that we cultivate only to serve our own needs? That's, that's selfishness. What Mike said, that's narcissism. A love that never calls us out on our faults, that never spurs us on to be better, that's, that's idolatry. That's creating love in our own image. We're not good at knowing what true love is, and we settle so often for fake love. Our kids especially and I'm talking to myself as well as talking directly to you students, we're bad at this, right? We're bad at knowing true love from counterfeit love. The two beautiful things among many that Christ's love accomplishes on our behalf, there are two. First, Christ's love casts out fear. Perfect love, there is no fear in perfect love. I know that in teenagedom, in this classroom throughout the school year, there is so much fear running rampant. We're afraid that we're not good enough. We're afraid that um, certain people don't like us enough. We're afraid of our own skin. We're afraid of our own bodies betraying us. We are afraid of not being good enough. But what Christ's unconditional love does is it gets in our face and it says, yes, You are beautiful, you are worthy, you are loved, because I, in my son, say you are all of those things. 
And therefore, what do you have to fear with the most perfect love in the entire cosmos behind you and rooting for you? You have nothing to fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. And there is no place that is perhaps more riddled than fear than adolescence. And the second thing that Christ's love accomplishes, again among many, is that it sets us free. For freedom we have been set free. This is the exciting part. As we dream about our ministry moving forward um, and think about big dreams for our kids, both entering our ministry and students leaving for college in just a few short weeks or people that have long moved on, Christ sets us free, and that is so fun that we get to run in that freedom. We are not in chains to the expectations that culture has placed on us. There, you know there's a certain script, especially in our area, especially in suburban northern New Jersey. This script is in many ways very constricting. And parents, you know this as well as students do, that there are different expectations that you are expected to fall in line with. As a child of the king, I am not beholden to man for approval. I have already been approved by my one true king, and so I'm set free to go on to live how I'm supposed to live, to be the person I'm created to be. In youth ministry, in adolescence where identity is the single most foundational question that kids are dealing with, my identity is secure because I am free in Christ. That is what Christ's love accomplishes. Because he is love, I have no fear and I am set free. And that is the truth for our students as well. And so, youth ministry, first and foremost, is about Christ. And, and through him, uh, we see youth ministry being relational, relationship with him, relationships within the body of Christ. Youth ministry is about being transformed, being transformed by the person of Christ. It's about experiencing his power and helping students experience that, many for the first time at a young age and, and, and marked by the rest of their life. And then it's about his unconditional love, becoming very real and genuine to, to them and through them to a world in great need. Now, that happened to me thinking back in high school. I, I, I've been thinking about my high school years recently. And, and for me, I grew up in a church um, that didn't even have a youth ministry. But it, even in that church, I came to have a working faith that, that everything in Scripture was true, that Jesus was real, and, and it just became very much a part of the fabric of who I was. But I got to tell you, it wasn't until, and I had sort of forgotten this until this last week, thinking it back, there was a man, I don't remember his name, I remember he was a doctor, that's about all I remember about him, but when I was in high school, he invited me to hear a speaker, some Christian speaker. I don't even remember, I remember the place I sat in to listen to this Christian speaker, but I don't remember what he said. But I do remember this. I remember in that evening, my heart suddenly being warm to the fact that he is real. Like, like this is all real. This isn't just like stories that I learned in school, that Jesus really is real. And so looking back, you know what? The foundation was laid there by my little church that didn't even have a youth ministry, but it was a man from the church inviting me to hear a Christian speaker. And here I am all these years later recalling the fact that that was something God used in my life. And, and may we be about that as a church in the days ahead as we come at this together. And I feel the same way, Mike. I have those experiences in my past as well of loving, caring adults coming alongside me 
preaching the truth of the gospel of Christ. I, I was super sick when I was a baby, when I was an infant, I don't remember it, but I still to this day have the experience, even just a few months ago, I met someone who said, oh my gosh, you are Teddy Jordan. I, I've never met you before, but I prayed for you for three years straight. What a miracle. So, so picture how, how much fun it must be for God to be sitting up there weaving this entire web of connections between his children. And that really is the implication of youth ministry for our church. I don't care if you have never had a kid in the children's or student ministry. I don't care if you've never volunteered or anything. If you're a part of this church, you are implicated in a beautiful way in what we are doing as a youth ministry because we need you. We need your prayers. We need your support. We need your love for these kids who are a part, a very vital part of the body of Christ. And God smiles on that. So as we launch into a new season of ministry, and, and we're excited about that, may we continue to engage in a ministry that reflects Christ. And here's a verse, John 10, 10, who came that our kids might have life and have it abundantly. Because Christ is relational, we are determined to do relational ministry. Absolutely. We are determined because Christ is transformational. We are determined to shepherd our students boldly through the transformations and changes of adolescence. Yeah, and may we continue to engage in ministry that reflects Christ who possesses divine power. Here's another verse, 2 Peter 1, 3. Divine power Christ has, which he gives our kids everything they need for life and godliness through a knowledge of him. Everything they need in life comes from the power of Christ alive in their hearts. And the love of Christ really is what this comes down to. We, our ministry flows out of the love of Christ and students are impacted by the love of Christ. We know that because Christ's love, in Christ's love there is no fear and there is freedom. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's the business that we're in. That is God's greatest hobby is erasing our doubts and our fears and bringing us more and more conformed to the image of his son in his love. Good stuff. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for all the ways that you have led us up to this point. We're excited about the future here, and may you, may you build in us uh, uh, just a fire that would be all about reaching the next generation uh, for Christ. You, you desire that more than even we do, so we're telling you here and now as a church, we are all in. God, be with us, please. Father God, this is all for your glory. We, we surrender to you. We give this to you. Every single one of us here, we give our hearts and our lives to you. We trust you that you are a good God who sees the future and smiles on the plans that you have set out for us. God, we trust you. We love you. We give you thanks. We give you glory. And it's all in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen.